So I grew up on the Swiss countryside with two entrepreneurial parents. And when you grew up on the Swiss, Swiss countryside or in Switzerland in general, general, you're surrounded by an understanding that design and art is important. Uh, so there's a lot of um, exposure. You get to beautiful, minimal design uh, early on. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a very eccentric aunt who was in the fashion design world who had a boyfriend who was a graphic designer. And I'll never forget the moment when I was seven years old and I was standing next to him, watching him uh, draw a poster. And uh, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I am working. And I was like, what do you mean? As in you're being paid for drawing? And he says, yes, I'm a graphic designer. This is my job. And it was like a light bulb moment for me as a kid to understand that you can be creative and make a living. Tina Roth Eisenberg has many preoccupations and passions. She started a temporary tattoo company called Tatly, a global community meetup group called Creative Mornings, and a digital task organizer called Tadeu. After studying design in Switzerland and Germany, she moved to Brooklyn in 1999 and worked as a designer before eventually starting the design blog Swiss Miss that became one of the world's most visited design websites. In this episode of First Things First, we talk about magic and the importance of listening to everything the universe has to tell you. Well, I think with me, I've always been very driven, very energetic, had a lot of ideas. And <clears throat> the way I grew up in Switzerland, I always felt like I had to hit the brakes on my enthusiasm for mm. creating and being just, you know, uh, living a creative life. Why is and that? I, it's just, well, I, as much as I love Switzerland, I feel like there's a bit of a, oh, that's not going to work. There's a bit of a fear-based culture happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a beautiful country. I love it. Uh, it's, it's, it's safe, but it's not necessarily daring. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. And I had just this vision that I just wanted to live in New York. Don't ask me. Like, it's these things that just come out of nowhere. And when I graduated, it was actually my second attempt. And I just told my parents at this point, I'm just going to go to New York for three months. And I remember vividly that I, I arrived on a Monday night and I'm Tuesday morning. I had one job interview in a small design studio lined up. But what I remember so vividly is that I came out of the subway and people were walking as fast as I was walking. Like that, even just that was like a revelation mm-hmm. to me that I wasn't, because I'm a pretty fast even talker or walker. I just, I'm pretty, you know, snappy. And I was like, wow, everyone's mm-hmm. <laughs> walking as fast as me. And then as I was living in New York for a little bit, I realized that I would share ideas I have for a project or something. And everyone would cheer me on and mm-hmm. say like, actually, I know someone that could help you. And like, you should call this person. And I was really taken aback by there's a cheering for you mm-hmm. in New York City. And I don't know if it's the same everywhere else, but in New York City, there's a cheering for you if you have an idea, if you want to build something and people want you to succeed or mm-hmm. they want to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually don't think I could have created what I have created in my life living in Switzerland. What did that moment look like for you, the, the, the cheering moment? What did you do that changed things for you? I started my blog in, in 2005. You know, it's just when blogging just started, basically. And over the, and this was like the heydays of blogging. So in 2010, when I wanted to go on my client sabbatical, I made enough money with my blog that I was able to sort of say, all right, I can still maintain my status quo. You know, and at, at the time I was still married and I sat down with my husband and said, I, are you okay if I take this risk? I mean, worst case scenario, I can always take a job. But mm-hmm. I want to, I wanted to give myself a year of magical thinking. And again, I was blogging two two hours, three hours a day, and I was still making money, right? So it was a magical aligning of like a different income source. And, mm-hmm. and 
while this might not be blogging with someone else, there might be something else that you can do or an opening. And I mm-hmm. oftentimes think you can't force it. Sometimes mm-hmm. openings come out of nowhere. Again, this is when you fall into this trusting place of you know that it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you just have to freaking have this Thelma and Louise moment and you have to jump off the cliff, right? Because you actually realize you have wings. And that's what happened with me. When I said I'm going to give myself this year, the most magical things happened. Like I started projects that, again, not necessarily me starting them as a, like to do, my to do app. I built that because me and my uh, coworker, like I was telling him, like, I can't stand all these to do apps out there. They just have so many bells and whistles. And he's like, just design it, I'll build it. And I literally sat down, I designed it in three hours. It's like as simple as paper. And then that became a business because people wanted it. We just, I blogged about it and I gave it away for free, right? So there's a lot of magic that can happen when you just give yourself space to be playful. And I really do think that is something that people notice when you create something out of the sheer joy and love for it to exist and not with the sole purpose that it needs to pay your rent and get you rich. So there's an energetic it just feels different. And that is something that a lot of people have always told me that the things I have put out in the world, there was an innocence to it and a joy to it that just feels different. As I was never really worried about, you know, like it has to pay off in the end. Like that's not a driver for me. And maybe I'm just really lucky that I just have this, this like feeling that things will work out in some way. How would you describe the importance of listening as part of that? If the universe is watching out for you, I I wonder sometimes about how often it is speaking to people, but it's cultivating your ability to listen carefully for for that voice. Yeah. Well, again, that means like you need to go to a, you need to quiet your mind. Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back to tune yourself like to meditate i really i mean i I know a lot of people are so annoyed by this like frenzy of like you should meditate and a lot of people are threatened by it and they feel like they can't do it but especially in new york yeah but it has changed my life like 10 minutes do a guided meditation go on youtube and just trust youtube that it will you know listen to some guided meditations you find find a voice that you like and just just start like just try quieting your mind It, Mm -hmm. it will change everything so you're on this journey and doing what you can to listen deeply to where you should be focusing your energy. Did that new path, was did it sort of come right away? Well, so I started my first design studio. I worked as a designer in multiple design studios over the years. And then I realized when I become pregnant with my daughter that I, I always wanted to have my own studio. So I started it when the day she was born and I had more clients that I could handle. And it was going really well. My first client was Demoma. I mean, it was just glorious. Mm-hmm. But then I became pregnant uh, three and a half years later with my son. And and I went through the same inventory taking phase again. And I was like, I, like, I really became, I, I became very honest with myself. I was like, I really do not want to have clients. And the reason is that I, I am just not thick skinned enough. There's some people who are just made for it. And I was not like, I would never present you anything that I wasn't thinking was a hundred percent rock solid and that I poured my heart into it. And then when it didn't resonate or people weren't happy, I just, it really crushed my soul. And granted, I could have maybe grown into that and I could have maybe grown a thicker skin, but I just realized it, that's just, it made me really unhappy. You know, if a client was unhappy, it really crushed me to the core. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that didn't happen all that often, but it was enough for me to realize. And interestingly enough, when I, uh, 
was pregnant with my son and in this this whole phase of me thinking like what do I want to do I I thought I can't keep running creative mornings in New York I'm going to have two small children and my studio and like what am I doing so I said I'm going to go out with a bang and take a break and I'm I asked my favorite venue if they would host us they said yes right away or my my dream venue and it was a big venue for me and then I asked I, I pulled together all my courage and I asked Michael Beirut if he would be our speaker before I go on a on a sabbatical. And he just looked at me, he's like, absolutely. And I was like, wait, what? All of my dream, you know, venue and speaker said yes. And then Michael emailed me two weeks, and this I like super pregnant, like eight months pregnant. Michael emails me two weeks before the talk and says, Hey Tina, what do you want me to talk about? And I was like, are you kidding me? You're freaking Michael Beirut. Like, I'm not going to tell you what you need to talk about. I mean, you know, and, and he didn't let me off the hook. And it was, I had a really, really poor client interaction that day. Like, it made me so sad. And, um, you mean separate from, yeah, separate from, okay. like, yeah, from Michael Beirut emailed me and said, like, I want to know what you want me to talk about. And that day that he asked me this on a day where I had a really bad client interaction and he made me sad. And I was just like, my heart was sinking. And in a whim, I, on a whim, I just say, well, Michael, if you ask me right now, I want to know who you handle clients. What's your take on it? You know, what, do you have any advice? And I sent it off and I didn't hear anything back. And I was mortified. I thought it was really silly and just like, getting all self-conscious about it. And then the morning off, he shows up and he walks in and he goes, Tina, I made a brand new talk. I haven't done that in a long time. It's exactly on what you wanted. And it's such a good talk. It's on creativemornings.com. Search for Michael Beirut. Yeah. It is an incredible talk for anyone who has clients. Yeah. And I could, like watching that talk, I realized that we were made out of completely different wood. And, uh, and I, I just, it wasn't for me, but, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I mean, the natural progression from that is that you say, I mean, there's the kind of, this is where to me the, cl- the collision of the practical and the, say, spiritual start to collide because your practical mind says, well, I still, the check is still going to have to be in yeah. the mail for the rent. Yeah. At the same time, this is not what I am going to be. Yeah. But I am someone who has value to offer to the world. Now, how do I find an alternative way yeah. of meeting my practical needs, but also my, you know, the needs of my heart? And so you, know, you go down a path then, and I know it, was, it wasn't linear, but things like Tatley, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Creative Mornings in itself, but this idea of side projects, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a really important part of what you talk about. Yeah. But for those out there who, on the one hand, maybe have come up through a structure of education that has a natural endpoint in mm-hmm. working for an employer or this or that, but also from those who have come from a culture of expectation and fulfilling responsibility, how did you start to bridge yourself into this other world where you could start to change your relationship mm-hmm. with your own values? So it wasn't necessarily through clients, but through other means. We have a, a, a Tatley, we have a confetti drawer and it's just a symbol. I mean, we have a lot of really funny things. Like when you walk into the door in our office building, there's like a, a mirroring glass and I put type on it one day that says, you, you, you look great today. So oftentimes I stand at my window and I see people selfieing themselves. It's, it's really cute. Or we have... Uh, a bubble maker that we put out on our windowsill and oftentimes we time it when the school is out and just kids and grown-ups alike just it's so simple it's so simple but it creates so much joy and there's a lot of small things we do or so I try to sprinkle the the possibility of a smile into everything we do it's in our products and it's in our work environment but also for example email 
I I will never want to be associated with dread if something gets an email from me. So we, like people that I hire, they have to learn how to speak GIF. And for example, I'm convinced that I have closed partnership deals, really big partnership deals with Creative Mornings because we have this joyful banter with GIFs. Like there's big people really high up in C-suites and very famous companies where we have exchanges and every single time when we send each other an email... There's always a GIF attached that sort of summarizes the feeling of the, and like, it's the most joyful thing when you add a, sprinkle a little bit fun into what seem, it's seemingly boring because it's work. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be boring, right? I heard this great quote from a civil rights activist named Bell Hooks who said that love is an action. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's, that's beautiful. what you're doing, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's like you can talk and you can speak and try to, create a sense or a feeling of it but ultimately if action is what's going to change yeah you know and i feel like design also maybe is a, is a because it's so action fundamentally it's action that somehow it's fundamentally i don't want to stretch this but fundamentally you could see design in the way you're talking about it as, as an act of love yes and also just also an act of transferring emotions mm-hmm. i think about that all the time i mean to be honest i have fallen out of love with some of my companies and fallen back into love which i didn't think was possible but in the end of the day, if you just listen to your body, you you know, mm-hmm. you know if you should. And often, I mean, I have not been honest with myself in a few things in my life that I, sh- I now in hindsight think I should have ended sooner, but I just didn't, I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't at the place where I dared to do it. So then also just don't be hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we all just feel, I feel like we're all really hard on ourselves. We should just all need to be a little bit gentler with mm-hmm. how we treat ourselves and, and, and also just acknowledge that we we all do so much and we try to achieve so much. And all you need to do sometimes is just like mm-hmm. sit down and be kind. What I've realized is that if I look at my life, the universe has never not provided. Like I almost go like, just take a step back. What do I do if I get fearful? What do I do if I feel like I've got off the path? And all you have to do is just to make sure that you're good. That you like that without my daily meditation practice, I couldn't do all the things I'm doing. I couldn't stay hopeful in the world we're in. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to work really hard in staying aligned and staying in a positive place because the world is crumbling around us. It doesn't help when if we all start fighting and hating. Like we really need to be beacons of lights in, in, in the world we're currently in. I think there's a realization that the old paradigm of just authority and like top down just doesn't work anymore. People want more, especially this younger generation. I mean, I see it all the time when I interview with them. They want purpose. They want to know this is a force for good. The old paradigm is is dying. Mm -hmm. The divine feminine is rising. And not just by women, but just by men and women that I feel like is really what's going to change the world. find out more about Tina, follow her at Swiss Miss on Twitter and Instagram and visit SwissMiss.com. First Things First is produced by Max Cotter. Frontier Media is a part of Frontier, a design office based in Toronto, Canada. We believe that design is more than visual. It's a process of exploration, discovery, sketching, prototyping, iteration and refinement. That process can help create a better world. Our mission is to help others understand how that goal can be accomplished. To do this, we use design to create better and more purposeful products. We publish a magazine and produce this podcast to explore and celebrate the risks people take in the process of creating things that are original and worthwhile. And we work with clients to help them define their purpose and tell their story. 
To learn more, visit www.frontier.is. First Things First is recorded in Toronto and Vancouver at the Design Thinkers Conference, organized by our founding partners at RGD, the Association of Registered Graphic Designers, who represent over 3,800 design practitioners, including firm owners, freelancers, managers, educators, and students. Through RGD, Canadian designers exchange ideas, educate and inspire, set professional standards, and build a strong, supportive community dedicated to advocating for the value of design.